The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Corey, how you been? Freezing. Freezing? How cold is it up there? Um, well, you know, it fluctuates a bit. Um, this morning when I was leaving for work, it was 11 degrees. Oh my god. Right now it's 19 degrees. I'm very cold, and I don't think that my heater, my house heater, can keep up. So I woke up freezing to death this morning at like five forty-five. You have a fireplace? No. Oh, wow. you got time for that? I mean, the fireplace is the whole reason to live in the cold, in my opinion. But then you gotta like clean the chimney and keep it clean and all that stuff, and that's when you hire Dick Van Dyke, right? If I was to hire anybody to do anything, it would be to, like, clean my windows or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, chim- chimney, chim-chim-chiru, and... Oh! Mm. Um, well, uh, it was cold for us this morning. It was, like, 42, but apparently it's gonna be a... It's, like, 55 right now, and it's getting warmer already, which it was warm Monday and Tuesday. Last week was really cold, and I, I like it in our Florida cold, you know, when it's, like, 44, so I can wear my hoodie, be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But um, man, that's I don't know if I can handle eleven now. My my wife, listeners, is going to be visiting Corey in the uh, the state of Idaho in in January, and she hates the cold. So I don't know what she's thinking. <laughs> um, I did not know that. I did not know that. <laughs> she it's going to be cold as heck. Yeah, she does not deal well with cold. I don't know what the heck was on her thoughts when she's like, "Yeah, January will be good." Um. <laughs> But, um, whisper, whisper, I know she doesn't listen to this podcast, she might be listening to me right now, but I just bought her, uh, tickets to see Alabama in, um, at the Strawberry Festival in a few months <gasps> nice. for her Christmas present. She's going to lose her mind because she was really wanting to see them. So I, they went on sale today. I've been watching for like weeks for like any information on when they were going on sale. And, um, it's like one of her favorite, like long time country acts. So yeah, I hope she can't hear me right now. She might be listening. I have no idea, but um you'll be able to tell when we're done yeah uh, yeah I'm, she'd probably burst in the door right now if she was listening but um <laughs> listeners to the show if you're new welcome and if you're regular then you know the deal but either way we're gonna go over uh movie club is all about Corey and i trying to knock off our gap list because we have tons of movies that we've wanted to see or we've heard we should see and sometimes we've purposely avoided but nonetheless other people say we should watch and we started this almost two years ago, and tonight, Corey, is episode 100. We have done this triple digits now. Can you Hell believe it? Yes. No, I can't. Time flies. I can't believe it's almost been two full years. Um, we will hit our two-year mark uh, just at the end of this year, because we started in January uh, 2017. And we'll be, as far as I know, uh, 2019 looks exciting. We've got some really good... Um, topic ideas that we're still kind of working out and mapping, but we've got January all set, um, and we've got next December all set, because we're going to do the same thing we're doing this month, uh, which this month's theme for Movie Club um, is 2018 movies that slip through the cracks. 
things that we didn't get to see in the theater for one reason or another. Um, and the the main idea is every week one of us picks a movie, and it's got to be one that we haven't seen or the other one we know hasn't seen. In this ca- case, we're going to be going into an in-depth review of You Were Never Really Here from 2017. Of Technically, 2017, it was in a film festival, although I think its official release date was 2018. Um, I have seen it just a few, like a month and a half ago, um, and I rewatched it this week because that's what we've done every time. And Corey's never seen it, though, and she's a big fan of Walking Phoenix, so she picked that for this week, uh, the first episode of the 2018 Through the Cracks. Um, but before we get into our review for You Were Never Really Here, we like to talk about what we've been watching. So, Corey, have you seen anything um, other than You Were Never Really Here since the last time we spoke? Well, you know, I've been rewatching King of the Hill. I love that show. I don't really care what anybody thinks. It's um, a good show. It's a great show. Um, and just, I don't know, it... Brittany Murphy passed away a little while ago, and it mm-hmm. just, like, blows my mind that she did so many voices, <laughs> and she was Luann, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I love that show. And I went to see, I think it's going to be, like, an annual thing, like our Rocky Horror Picture Show screening mm-hmm. and maybe the live production, but we went to see uh, Die Hard. I, I, you told me that, and I was, I'm a little jealous, but... And my husband even went. My imaginary husband. All my oh. friends don't think the bill is real because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he stays home and I don't I don't begrudge him because he lets me go do what I want, but he actually wanted to go. Well, that's really cool. It's a great movie. So, I mean, seeing it on the yeah. big screen too, right? Yeah. And it's just fun because everyone, like, gets so into it. See, I've, like, the last boo. two years, I've got to go see uh, There's It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen. They're playing uh, it. Ugh, yeah. I want to see it so bad. I, I am hoping that my local theater will do it again because it'll be the third year in a row. Um, but there are several theaters doing something really cool. Uh, I love this time of year because, like, the art house theaters and stuff do a lot, a lot of special events. And um, they all do, like, Christmas movies. And uh, I try to squeeze them in, but I'm also I'm trying to see as many of the 2018 movies as I can. Um, because, Corey, I, don't, I think you might have looked at the article, but I sent uh, you and Mike today. But the Golden yeah. Globes um, announcements came out today. We're recording this a day earlier than we normally do. But uh, the Golden Globes came out, and there's movies on the list that I haven't seen there. Not many, to be honest. Um, I lucked out because a lot of the, the stuff that's coming out that will be Oscar noms uh, apparently still kind of filtering in. But Vice did make it onto the, a couple of the awards, and I haven't seen Vice yet. Um, and uh, Roma made it to the Best Foreign Film, which I've not seen yet. But that comes out on Netflix on the 14th, um, so I'll be watching that soon. But... Um, a lot of the big ones I have seen, uh, and some of the smaller ones. I was really excited to see Elsie Fisher uh, got a Best Actress nomination for Eighth Grade, and that's super awesome. Well-deserved. Agreed. And yet, uh, often overlooked, child actors don't always get nominated, so I was excited to see her um, given that kind of recognition, because I don't think anywhere else that I remember seeing um, Eighth Grade was nominated for anything on uh, the Gold Globes, which doesn't necessarily mean anything golden globes aren't something we should put a whole lot of stock in but nonetheless it's like one of the first big awards of the season so i like to see what gets nominated and stuff but um i'm not going to get into it too much but did you happen to look at that article i've seen no i didn't look at that but i've been seeing some announcements coming out here and there because i mean probably like you i follow a lot of actors and actresses yeah on social media and some people are getting some nominations that i thought was pretty cool yeah, yeah, there's some good stuff. I was surprised to see that both Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star is Born were nominated for Best Drama and not Musical. Um, 
And th- I've heard some people argue that they're not musicals because they're not in the traditional, like, the music comes from, like, a source. It doesn't just come from, you know, God, basically. Um, but that's not how musicals are defined uh, in every instance. So I still think they could have both gone in as musical, but they got nominated for drama, which I'm not as surprised with The Star is Born, but I was a little surprised with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody because it's hasn't been loved by critics so seeing it get that kind of recognition was cool because i liked it um i i loved it i'm not gonna lie i loved it despite uh, a lot of other critics kind of uh hating on it but i still haven't seen it i don't know what you're waiting on Corey. you're gonna miss well it. and also now it's like cold and icy out and i'm just really not you know more reason to go to a movie theater that heat is working no, because then you have to drive drive on the icy roads. Let's talk about black ice, and also let's talk about. I might be able to work from home remote remotely. You know, soon oh. I can get groceries delivered. I can have my cat food delivered. I'm just never leaving my house. Oh, well, that sounds like a dream <laughs> um, for a movie. It lover. really does. <laughs> but well, then we're gonna have to start getting more screeners then for you, so that they can send them yeah. to your house. Um, is that uh, the just Die Hard and uh, King of the Hill? And I've been, I finished up um, Sabrina, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which I enjoyed and I'm excited for their, I think they're doing like a winter or holiday special on the 14th. Yeah, there, I saw some kind of trailer thing pop up on my YouTube channel, but I didn't watch it. But, mm-hmm. uh, not, not my channel, my YouTube subscription, I don't know what to call it, the, the notifications. It was like, hey, oh, yeah. watch this thing. Um, I've seen a few movies since we last spoke. Um including one that really surprised me. I get a lot of emails from uh, with screeners that I'm not always compelled to give a chance because they're, I don't, I like horror, but I'm very selective with horror. So I like, I don't like watching a lot of B horror. Um, and like, I've given a few movies a chance based on the actors that I've gotten screeners for that I haven't been able to make it through. So I got a, a, a screener invite for um, this movie called the rebound uh, about the national wheelchair basketball association. Uh, specifically the Miami Heat wheels, so it was Florida-based too, so I was really into that whole idea, and I, I like, Corey, you used the phrase ugly cry, I was like ugly crying, like, uh, a lot throughout this movie. It's my life. Um, it's a relatively short documentary, it is available on iTunes, and I think Voodoo and um, Amazon uh, Digital, and I, I, if you like basketball at all, um, if you like compelling stories about overcoming adversity, um, and I think just getting like familiar with a sport that you're not necessarily even aware exists, um, the rebound is really cool. It focuses on three of the athletes on the team, and they're all really, really compelling characters. It truly focuses on two, but one of them, um, like the third one, he gets there's some major moments that he gets to share with the uh, the, the documentary filmmakers. And I was moved, and I, I really, really ended up loving it. Um, the basketball sequences, because they go into like a national championship tournament, it's very thrilling. As I mean, it's almost like watching a, a suspense thriller because you're like on the edge of your seat, as though you're watching a live game. But the documentary is from 2016, but they're still like hitting the the, the films, the festivals, and stuff like that, trying to get the word out about it. And I, I loved it. If you uh, take your time and rent it, it's I think it's well worth it. It's under it's under an hour and a half, so it's not even gonna take up too much of your time it's not like hoop dreams that's like three and a half hours or something like that Mm. um but i uh if you're a basketball fan um and i'm not currently a sports fan but i've always had a soft spot for basketball so i went in um and i i did i wrote in my review that i I, uh my first college article i remember writing was about wheelchair basketball because i had made a friend named Vinny, uh who Vinny, i don't know 
if by chance you happen to listen to this podcast, I have not uh, spoken to you in a long time. I can't remember your last name to save my life, and I'd love to look you up on social media. But um, I met Vinny. He had cerebral palsy, uh, and he told me he played wheelchair basketball, and I'd never heard of that. And I so I decided to do an interview with him for the paper, uh, learn about wheelchair basketball, what his like you know his condition, how he ended up playing wheelchair basketball. So I already had like a little bit of a background uh, with the sport, um, or at least knowledge of the sport. So the documentary really appealed to me, and I'm very, very glad that I gave it a chance because I loved it. Um, then I watched the uh, the new Coen Brothers film on Netflix, The Ballad of the Buster Scruggs. Corey, why haven't you watched this yet? Because. That's not a good excuse. <laughs> That's all I got. That's well, all I got. You got to go in. Um, it's It's one, it's an anthology, which you love. I love uh, anthologies. Two, though, it is Western, uh, so I don't know how you feel about Westerns. I mean, so not not great. I don't really know either. Um, but, I'm, I'm not I'm not advert adverse to it. Well, I will tell I don't you know the right word. I know. Uh, I kind of I'm, I kind of feel like I know how you're going to feel about our movie tonight because over the last two years, I've learned Corey does not like movies that don't have happy endings. Um, in most cases, and so uh, <laughs> the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, the first, actually, probably all of them are gonna hit that that sour note there. Damn, um, they're not all gonna end well, but they all do have the Cohen's kind of sense of humor about. Th- well, okay, at least three of the six have a sense of humor about them. I mean, Inside Lewin Davis doesn't. True. I don't know. No, it doesn't end happy, but it also doesn't end completely hopeless. Like there's a little bit of hope. Um, Inside in. Inside Lulu and Davis, not not much, but that's kind of the Cohen's tone. And I honestly, depending on the movie, uh, depends on the tone. And I feel like all six of these films kind of represent the the kaleidoscope that is the Cohen's movies, because um, they have a very distinctive style, but they also have very uh, different tonal elements throughout their films. Like you have their more comedic films, then you have their much more dramatic films, like No Country for Old Men um, oh, like or Fargo. Um, so you kind of get a taste of it, all of their stuff. I liked all six, um, some less than others. Uh, I know you're a fan of Tom Waits, though. He shows up in one of them. Um, James Franco, Liam Neeson. Um, it's just it's just great. Uh, Zoe Kazan, Tim Blake Nelson. Um, oh. Just just great, great, great all-around cast. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out because there's other great people in this movie, but uh, I can't sit here and name them all. But um, I then my wife and I rewatched Home Alone. Uh, it's an annual thing for me. I, I'm a big fan of the Home Alone movies. Um, I always just get a kick out of them and I, I mock them. I know they're not like, there's a lot of little flaws and stuff, but I, I still love them. I, I grew up with, with home alone. I mean, I saw the first one in the theater as a kid and I've loved it ever since. So, um, which God, it's been 28 years I've been watching home alone. So, <laughs> um, <sighs> yesterday though, I went to, I, I was supposed to go see the favorite and I did, but before I saw the favorite, I ended up getting to squeeze a second movie in. And I saw Boy Erased, the uh, Joel Joel Edgerton directed um, and co-starring with uh, Lucas Hedges, Russell Crowe, and Nicole Kidman um, about the conversion therapy camps. Um, and I I got to see Miseducation of Cameron Post at Tribeca this year, um, bo- also about a gay conversion camp. And uh, Mis- Miseducation of Cameron Post is far superior of a movie um, for like a bunch of reasons, but... Boy Race was not bad, but I also felt like it's kind of, it It doesn't, there's something missing. There's an ingredient missing that makes it less compelling um, and less impactful than uh, than Miseducation of Cameron Post. 
Um, I would even say the tone of miseducation is slightly more humorous, and Boy Race really tries hard to be like uber drama, not quite melodrama, but um, it's walking a fine line. Like it could have easily have been melodramatic. I think it totes the line well enough that it's not, but it's also it's missing something. There's just uh, maybe it's the the story delivery uh, mechanism. They they do utilize flashback quite a bit, um, but there's some really solid performances. I like Hedges. Even though he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's wooden in this movie, but he's definitely not given as much to do as you would think. Um, Nicole Kidman's got some strong stuff. Russell Crowe, uh, man, he looks kind of rough, and I don't usually want to speak ill, but he gained quite a bit of weight. I don't know if it's for this role. Um, it definitely matches. Like They show the actual people, because Boy Race is based on a memoir um, at the end of the movie, so he looked a lot like the father. Uh, surprisingly so actually, but, um, I didn't, I did like the movie. I, I don't have anything super negative to say, but I also didn't love the movie. On the other hand, the favorite. Yeah. Holy crap, Corey. I love the favorite. Um, it's <gasps> not, yeah. it's not my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos movie by any means, but, uh, Olivia, Olivia Coleman plays the queen, uh, Queen Anne, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, and, uh, they're, they're phenomenal. Like all three give absolutely amazing performances i think it's emma stone's best performance and i am a huge la la land fan so i'm saying that i think the favorite is the best we've seen emma stone she's got these facial expressions that just give you so much information about what she's thinking and what she's going through um and then rachel vice's uh sarcastic uh little snippets like she just does these little comments that are just so biting they're so hilarious um, and Olivia Coleman's performance. I, I'm not even really familiar with her, but she is. So, oh, yes, I am. I've seen several of her movies, apparently. She's in The Lobster. She's in Midnight on the Orient Express. And apparently she's in Hot Fuzz. Oh, my God. I just realized who she was in Hot Fuzz. Um, she's the female cop in Hot Fuzz. But she's hilarious. Um, then uh, really necessary to give Nicholas Holt, um, who got kind of famous because of uh, Mad Max Fury Road. He's um the uh oh, the he's boy the, yeah um, i can't think of what his name is in that but he's got a name but um and then he's also beast in the uh the second x-men trilogy um i i've liked him a lot but he's got a really good performance he's not in the movie much but he does he gets to do some really good stuff he has some funny interactions with both rachel vice and uh emma stone um i liked him a lot but the the three did, the three females are on point did you say warm bodies too oh yes that's right he's R in warm bodies yeah, and that. he plays Nux and Mad Max. I Nux. know, I like that movie so much, but it's like, I don't... I don't yeah. know. I only saw it the one time, but I liked it a whole lot when I saw it, so... Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, today I did finally watch the movie we're going to be talking about next. So that's what I've been watching since we last recorded. Uh, last week's episode we talked about Selma, um, which was our final movie of our political theme. And then this movie, You Were Never Really Here, is going to be our first film in the uh through the cracks month in our last month of 2018 um all right if you're new to the show uh before we get into spoilers we do a very general review we give our kind of initial thoughts and i i read the stats which i'll do now you're never really here is directed by lynn ramsey uh stars joaquin phoenix judith roberts um a name i cannot even begin to say ecaternia sampson um i think I'm, I'm guessing on the last name because imdb oh no sam son of sam son of sam son of 
let's go with that. Um, John Doman, and that's going to do us, uh, has an 84 Metascore, um, 6.8 IMDb user score, and, um, you know, I'm a big Joaquin Phoenix fan. I'd heard some good things about this movie. I, uh, watched it on Amazon Prime, um, a few, I think it was a month ago, maybe two, and I was, uh, underwhelmed when I saw it. And I was not thrilled that Corey picked this for the first movie because <laughs> I didn't like it the first time and I didn't really want to rewatch it. Um, and it's not uh, a movie that, like what I'd heard, I can't. I went in with one vision of what the story was going to be, um, and I I didn't I didn't get that story, and I got something I felt was kind of beating around the actual premise I've been given, and uh, didn't love it. But now I really want to hear. Corey's thoughts on You Were Never Really Here. Corey, what did you think of the movie? I... Hmm... I don't know. I felt like some of the parts... It didn't seem like a cohesive movie sometimes. Yeah, I can Like, it didn't... That. Like, I don't know. There, I had to go and read a synopsis because I felt like I was missing stuff. Okay. Um... Cool which I can totally get into that after spoilers, but I, after what you said and after you not liking it, I really expected to hate it, and I didn't really hate it. And with the ending that it was, it wasn't as bad as it... Could have been? Yeah, not even not even close. Um, so... But did you love it? No. Because that... It seems like other... like there are People are putting this as their favorite film of the year. What? Have yeah. they watched any other movies? I well, It's a lot of film critics. Like, I'm watching on Twitter, just like people are posting. Uh, even Letterboxd was doing a thing on their Twitter the other day asking people to put their top 20. And I sometimes, kept seeing this. Sometimes I feel like people just, it's just like when Interstellar came out and no one put it on their list just to yeah. be assholes and they just to make it. a point. And I feel like that, that this is like the opposite case. I feel like mm -hmm. maybe they're trying to prove that they're such outstanding you know critics well, or something now i don't usually bring other critics into this uh but i i was very underwhelmed like so much so um that i've in my review is already actually up this doesn't usually happen for a movie club i don't usually have a review for the movie we're talking about but i didn't know we were going to do this one so i already reviewed it but um matt from what i watched tonight who i do bloody awesome movie podcast and movie astrology with uh, also didn't like this movie and we were kind of like we don't always see eye to eye on movies um we do a lot but not every time and we're also really good about um communicating that like we get along so well that when we don't like a movie it's it's probably the most calm conversation i have with other critics about a movie that we disagree on and we were both kind of relieved that we felt the same way about this movie and it's not that neither of us think it's an awful movie but we were really underwhelmed by it. Neither of us saw what everyone else seems to be seeing. Because, again, it's got an 87, 84 on Metacritic out of 41 <laughs> reviews. And I just don't see that. Like, now, there's no, like, major technical problems. Although, in spoilers, I have two things that really drive me crazy about uh, a couple of sequences in this movie. I do think... And oh, go ahead. I was going to say that I also want to talk about another Joaquin movie that, but I want to talk about that in spoilers and okay. I won't like get, you know, I won't like spoil or ruin that movie, but you want to make a I, comparison of the two or something. Yeah. And I think that he's such a good actor that he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. 
you know, I feel like... And I think he's good here. Like, I, I, he's yeah, the highlight for me. Definitely. <sighs> but, so, the, the Matt and I agreeing is not uncommon, but um, there's a, a podcast I've listened to for years, Battleship Pretension. I definitely have mentioned them, uh, at least, if not on this show, definitely on Top 5. And um, I don't always see eye-to-eye with David Bax or Tyler Smith. Those are the two hosts from the show. And they run a website, BattleshipPretension.com. Um, but I was really curious what, what David thought, because, uh, movies like this, David and I often see, and again, David's not a friend. I, I listen to the podcast, I read them, so I'm not saying, like, we talk about it. This is just, I listen to the podcast, I listen to his thoughts, and I, I have my opinions, and sometimes I'm like, yes, David's spot on, and other times I'm like, I don't agree with that at all. Um, like, he hates me and her own the dying girl, I think it's great. <gasps> uh, I know, I know. But so I kind of thought this would be a movie that David would either love and maybe he could shine some light on why I'm not clicking with it or he would be with me on this one. And it turned out after reading his review on BattleshipPretension.com, he agrees closer with me. Although the one scene that he praises in the, the uh, his review is the scene I'm going to bash in in the spoiler section um, because I think it doesn't fit in the movie, or at least not the way it's done. And I, 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 I wanted to like this movie. That's the thing. I went in expecting this to maybe jump into my top 10. I almost bought this movie uh, because I was so excited about seeing it. And I'm really glad I didn't because I, I don't like it. Um, I, again, I don't love it. I don't, sorry, I, I don't love it. I don't hate it either, though. I don't, this is by no means in my top 10 of the worst of the year. It's probably in the middle, uh, maybe closer to the bottom, but still not near the bottom. But at the same time, this is a movie other people are putting in their top ten, and it's it's hard for me to see what about this movie that could be so great, um, because I just don't feel like it does anything. A lot of it feels pointless and sh- like like the the story's important, but yet it's really not because they don't do anything with it. It's more or less like setting a movie in outer space, but then having everything take place in a in a world that you wouldn't know is outer space. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like I mentioned with uh, Fantastic Beast, The Crimes of Grindelwald, it's set in Paris, but there is no reason for it to be in Paris. Like, Paris has no impact on the plot or story, almost at all. There's, like, one thing about it that has to do with Paris, and that could have been anywhere, and it wouldn't have mattered. So, like, why bother to set it in Paris if it doesn't affect anything? And that's how I felt with this movie. It's like, you have this... Um, just the premise I'll read from IMDb just as spoiler free. Um, a traumatized veteran, unafraid of violence, tracks down missing girls for a living. When the job spins out of control, Joe's nightmare overtakes him as a conspiracy is uncovered, leading to what may be his death, uh, his death trip or his awakening. And, um, so he, the missing girls are generally involved with sex trafficking of some kind. So when I heard about it, I was like, wow, this sounds like a really tough movie. I don't even know if I could handle watching something like that. And ultimately, like, it's there. And I'm not saying I don't need to see anything, but it's not really what the movie is ends up being about. That's just, like, how the movie moves forward. It's almost a MacGuffin. And that's, like, that to me is kind of shady to, like, use such a important topic because it's real like sex trafficking is horrible in the in the world right now it's a and even in the united states i don't think that yeah. most people understand like 
and the la- this was a year or two ago, but that Atlanta is like the hub. Oh wow! Like of like the the biggest problem in the United States, I and I don't know, know if that's still true but you know what i mean i don't think that people realize that it's happening all around them no and that's and so like you have this really important topic that you could make people aware of and you can it can justify brutality as a result and i don't think this movie does either of those things any justice like there is no like amazing i don't like encourage brutality but when there's like going to be justified violence in movies i'm not opposed to it in film I'm opposed to it in reality, not opposed to it in film. Um, And I didn't think there was anything really... Like, there is some brutality, don't get me wrong, but it's not... It's not done in a way that I found visually compelling or interesting or even as a story. Some of it was pretty badass, though. Maybe not... Maybe the way it was presented, I didn't feel like that's the case. Um, And I don't want to get into the presentation without getting into spoilers, but... um, And again... I don't know, like, the movie is is so focused on the main character, which makes perfect sense. Joe is our main character. That, I mean, even the first, what, five minutes, we don't see his face. Like, we're, we're down low, we're, we're looking at his waist, we're watching him clean up after something, we don't quite know exactly what yet. Um, and we finally see him, we're, like, intimately with him. Like, we're with Joe. And then there's this moment where things shift, and that's um, I have an issue with it because it then goes back to the other style that we were with for the whole part. It just I don't know. I I was bothered by it. I thought it was a weird choice by Lynn Ramsey. I'm not familiar with her work um, outside of this movie. I think uh, I have I've been wanting to watch. We need to speak about. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, and I've yet to that- see it. That's on either Netflix or Amazon, I believe, right now. Yeah, and that's okay. Tilda Swinton, Ezra Miller, um, John C. Riley, which I didn't actually realize he was in it until recently. But um, and then she's done uh, Morvern Caller, which I've heard about. And uh, yeah, I haven't heard of most of the other movies that she's done. And that's not that's not an insult. There's tons of directors whose movies I've yet to hear about. Um, but I'm not super eager to go into her other movies because I'm not clicking with this one and yet so many other people are. So I'm just like, wow, if, if I can't get into this, will I even, you know, take anything away from her other movies? But um, let's, I think that's all I have for non-spoilers. Is there anything else you want to say before we get into spoilers? No. Then let's warn the listeners. Guys, we're going to talk about You Were Never Really Here. I always want to say I was never really here um, in great detail. Go check it out on the Netflix. Uh, no. Otherwise, you've been warned. No. Amazon not on Prime. It's Amazon pro- Prime. Shizzle, man. Amazon Am- Prime. It's even an Amazon Studios film. Which is why it's on Prime, yes. Uh, Guys, sorry. And, all right. So, you jump in first, Corey. Uh, you had some things you wanted to get into from spoilers. Okay, what was the name of the other Joaquin movie that came out this year? Don't worry, he won't get far on foot or something. Yes, which I've yet to see. So I would watch You Were Never Really Here over that any day. Like, it was so, like, slow and just not, I don't know. Like, there were parts of it that were good, but it felt like a three-hour movie. And maybe it was, I don't know. But I'm just really... I don't know. I'm kind of, I mean, he already, he does do what he wants. There are movies that 
you know, he does that other people wouldn't probably, mm-hmm. you know, touch. And I feel like first he's a Phoenix and that's fine, <laughs> you know, but I don't know. I'm just very confused and whatever about his choices lately. Well, now you said you went into, um, um, the uh, synopsis, like you read a synopsis about it. Um, did you learn anything compelling? Well, I thought that I understood what was going on, but then I got confused because I just feel like this movie is not very clear. And it's not that I need everything to be spelled out for me, but I just didn't feel like it was making a lot of sense. I don't know. I was well, confused. Yeah. And it's a very indie film for sure. Um, I've seen it twice now. So I might have a little better grip on it. I definitely, I I did um, feel like I I I got checked out of the movie, and I I was looking at my phone the first time, which I don't usually do, but I was so not into it. Um, so this time I I made a, a much stronger effort to stay focused. Although I did watch it in segments, like I kept having to like stop and come back to it, but I'd already seen it, so I've seen it beginning to end with distraction. This time I watched it with no distraction, but with with pauses in between and I did catch some things I missed. Um, but it didn't make the movie better in my opinion. Uh, the part that I was alluding to that I, I want to jump into is the security camera footage, which I think is what you probably thought was badass. No, it wasn't even, it wasn't like anything that, I mean, he uses a hammer that he buys from the hardware store as yeah. his weapon of choice. And I mean, that's going hard. So I feel like, you know, I feel like that's very personal. Now you have to get that close to your victim. It's not a gun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, I think the, the movie's uh, purposely provocative. We're not given a lot of answers. We're given, um, flashes into his past, um, that you can, you can infer a bunch of stuff and, um, we'll get into that. But so the movie is t- it's so tight and it's so on him that when we go into the first like raid where we actually get to see him in action, it cuts the security camera footage. And I don't like it because one there, it doesn't make sense what we've seen so far that we would go into this like found footage world. Um, two, I don't like the editing during that sequence because like at first I, I get, try to give, um benefit of the doubt that it was like we were seeing like the feed on like a monitor and so the cameras are like just rotating naturally like it's going from each camera so that we get as a security guard we're able to see these rooms but then i started i actually counted because i'm like if that's the case then these are going to be like on a timer like every five seconds the it's going to cut so like uh in soviet montage that's um metric or rhythmic uh editing where everything's on a beat right and so some of them are, some of them are like every, you can go one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, and it's cutting, but then it just randomly changes that. And it's like one will stay on for like 13 seconds. And when it goes back, a couple are in that time, but then it goes again. Um, it just extends and there's no reason if it's that first idea that I had that we were seeing actual security footage as a guard would see. That's not the case. It's just this weird stylistic choice that it is disorienting, but it's like, why are we, shouldn't we be with him? We've been with him this whole movie. I want to be inside and I'm okay with not seeing the violence. If we're looking at him, like we have been throughout the movie, like in mother, 
where we're in Jennifer Lawrence's face the whole time that if we're not seeing her, it's probably, you know, something weird has happened. That this that security footage just bugged me. I didn't like the editing in it. Um, that's the scene David Baxo did love and pointed out that the music like shifts backwards whenever it cuts. So you're getting this kind of like weird like time element built into it that didn't make me like it either and then the choice of when we come back because we're seeing all the security footage and then when he finds the girl he's looking for we see a blurred out version of her face we're looking over her as if we're like hanging up above her and she slowly comes into focus and then we're back to the way it's been where we're with him and her now but i i'm still like i'm so confused as to the logic behind the security footage um it wasn't like we were seeing it from like a cop who's now investigating because that's not a thing, which I'm glad that's not a thing. That would have been kind of annoying too if we had like another plot line with like a cop hunting him down or something, which I think in a Hollywood movie, that's what you get. In this movie, it's very – it's a personal story that I don't think is executed as well as it could have been. And um, it's definitely got a cynical tone um, about a lot of things, and I don't know that I agree with that, and I'm not opposed to cynical – uh, tones i i have a an edge of cynicism about me at times but um i don't know i just ah, i don't see what everyone's loving about this movie um what did you think of the, the security stuff though did it did it like work for you i, I was indifferent i didn't really you know what i mean it didn't yeah. bother me either way um but I was confused on, she is, and guys, I'm really bad with American government. Um, I actually want to take classes just so I can learn. Um, so is it the senator senator who, Nina is his daughter, and he's going to pay him to find her. And then it ends up that he's, that Nina is the governor's favorite girl. Yeah. And I saw, like, on the movie poster for this movie, it says, uh... I think taxi cab for a new century, taxi driver for a new century. And I'm like, I don't know, which I've seen taxi driver and it's not a movie. I really want to, you know, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, and I didn't, and I was trying to pay attention the whole time, but I don't really remember anything from, he's supposed to be a veteran. Yes. Uh, yeah, we should get into his backstory. So yeah, he's a veteran. Um, who also appears to have worked for like some type of uh, like in-house like FBI or something where there he's there's that time where we see him finding like a a shipping container full of dead uh, women who were clearly being used it was it was being used as sex trafficking but they were too late um, and we see him like uh, overseas maybe in Afghanistan or Iraq or something um, and witnessing a family killed by somebody we don't see. Um, again, a lot of it's just flashes. We're just given very little. Um, and, of course, his family. Uh, did, what did you think happened to his family? I need to back up to the very beginning of the story. Okay. I thought when this movie starts, we see him. I think he has a plastic bag over his head. He yeah. does this multiple times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But when the movie started, I thought that we were, like, going straight in with, like, autoerotic asphyxiation. Mm. And then, but that's not what was happening. It's like he's punishing himself, or I'm not 
really sure, but it all like seems to go back to when he was a kid and all of the fighting and his dad was brutal and awful, but like trying, I don't know. I don't understand people using that as a coping mechanism. I don't understand a lot of coping mechanisms. Well, I thought you know? maybe he was punished that way and now like he punishes himself. But he but there are so there are a couple scenes where you can hear his fam his mom and dad fighting in the background uh-huh. and here he is in the closet like suffocating himself with like a dry cleaning bag. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know. Um I'm under the impression he killed his father. Mm. Uh, with a hammer. Um and if he didn't kill his father, his mother did. Um, with the same well, type of hammer he uses. Yeah. And I'm not faulting him uh, for that, mind you, but that's the implication that I was given. It's also possible that the dad killed himself. Uh, I don't feel like it's clear. Um, I think the fact that um, Joe still lives with his mother and uh, apparently is her caregiver, and she seems to be suffering from maybe Alzheimer's or at mm-hmm. least some form of dementia. She seems to be forgetful and... Uh, she's got like a hoarder trait, you know, like she was talking about, like not get cleaning her refrigerator out, but he said all the food's rotten. Ugh. And Ugh. then, um, yeah. uh, she just like, I don't know. There's like soap all over the bathroom when she was in the bathroom. I liked, I liked that scene though. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like just little things that like we as yeah. people really do. And when I see them in movies, it just, I don't know why it pulls no. me in but it's like him stepping around on the towel and like cleaning it up with his feet and stuff i just mm-hmm. i don't know why that well in moments before that we see just how crazy he is he puts the knife in his mouth um and then takes it out and then he's dropping the knife and moving his foot just in the nick of time um yeah. I, and we see him kind of do that to himself with different ways like the putting the bag over his head um like he he seems to kind of revel in the self-pain and he's got scars all over his body um and you know i i feel like his character is compelling um and you know we get a very it's a it's an ambiguous film in a lot of ways like you know we know he's got some system in place where he's hired to do these uh hits they're not really hits i guess he's not he's not necessarily hired to kill an individual but he's hired to retrieve an individual and get them any means necessary um the first one uh when we first meet him he's cleaning up after a job and i'm not sure if he saved the girl or not did you get that like vibe in the in the first uh sequence if he was successful with rescuing that girl because like he has her necklace still well he has a necklace that has a girl's name on it so i assume it's the girl's and like, I, I don't know. I mean, we're told when he meets, when we meet the the guy he works for, the guy who hires him, um, or gets him jobs. I guess maybe like his agent or from uh, David Bax's review, it's he indicates that guy as a private detective who hires uh, Joe as like muscle. Um, I don't, I don't feel like there's any evidence to that. I think that's an interpretation, but, um. The guy uh, tells him that the Cincinnati job, that's where the flowers are from. They're so grateful. And we know that first job was in Cincinnati because of the cab that he gets into and maybe the airport. Um, so that implies it was successful. But the way he's cleaning up, I'm still unclear. Like he burns the picture of the girl, which that makes sense no matter what, whether successful or not. 
no evidence to tie him to the, the crime. But what bugs me about that, he leaves the hotel, and we see that there are cops outside of it, implying, like, maybe it happened right there. And then he's walking down the alley, and he gets jumped by some random guy. Yeah, I was... I. And then he headbutts the guy, and leaves the guy. He doesn't kill him. But I'm like, why did that guy attack him? And if it was from the, the girl rescue... He he let them follow him like I don't know. None of that scene gives me any kind of idea exactly what I'm supposed to know about Joe. Like, is he good at this or not? It's implied that he is, but then we see him like he seems to screw everything up because he goes after this. They take this job from the senator. It's a setup. It's not a setup, but the governor. Uh, apparently, there's a string of politicians who like to have sex with little girls. And by little, like, 12, sorry, I think she's like 12, so very little, and the senator, apparently, it's also, we're told by a guy that Joe shoots in the stomach and then has a very weird and hard to understand conversation while laying on the floor next to the dining And then they sing together. Yeah. Super weird. Super weird scene. Um, the guy, and the guy, even the guy crawling away, I'm like, where what are you doing? Like <laughs> you're not gonna escape. just play dead. Um, yeah, better chance to play dead. But um, the guy uh tells Joe what I believe is that the senator was also a, a a frequent user of the little girls. But when his little girl became one of the uh clients or one of the the servicers, I don't know what the right term is. That's when he got cold feet and wanted out. Uh, so good for him, I guess. I don't know. But um, the little girl is also, I mean, I, I would say this movie wants to be Taxi Driver and it wants to be Leon the Professional. Um, and it's neither of those movies. Um, you know, there's no, this girl latches on to Joe literally at one point and Joe has to like tell her she doesn't have to do that. Um, and I get that because she, he, she, he saved her. But. Um, he was saving her from that. Yeah. Yeah, right? So, like, it seems weird that that would be her instinct. But I feel like, well, no, because I, I don't know. I, even in From Hell, I think, um, there's a part where Heather Graham's character lets a prostitute, like, stay in her room and the girl tries to make advances on her, like, to pay back. I think that, like, is that just all that they think that they're worth or? I, I get that. And I, I understand also that I can't fully wrap my head around this um i have the same like when movies have characters suddenly become rapists i have a hard time with that because like in my in my head rape is such a horrible evil thing that i can't fathom like a person who comes off as normal being capable of it um and yet obviously the me too movement has proven that oh no a lot of people are very capable of rape and they have I, to hide where they're gonna. Yeah, it, but it, it it boggles my mind. And so when a character in a movie just suddenly is like a rapist out of nowhere, I'm always a little surprised. You know what I mean? Like when there's no rhyme or reason that this character would be this way, um, I'm always like, what in the world? And so I can't totally wrap my head around what it would be like to have been through what she's been through. And I I can accept that her behavior is normal. Because I don't know. I definitely have no evidence to the contrary. But at the same time, 
I just think it. I don't know. Like I, uh, and uh, I don't know. Well, so the end of the movie, Joe Joe uh, is almost killed um, when they take her, uh, which that scene's really brutal when the cops show up and shoot the guy in the head and um, kind take the of girl. unexpected. I wasn't. Yeah. You know, he would have given you the key, man. Yeah, and I was really surprised that he opened the door, like that Joe opened the door like he did, because like. I know he's waiting on somebody, but he just, he doesn't even look through the people. I don't think he just opens it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and he had just heard that the Senator was dead. So it made even less sense to open the door because he was supposed to be meeting the Senator there. So, um, and they, so like I read in that synopsis that he, it said that he commits suicide, but he was probably, mm-hmm. I don't know, hit, I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was killed for sure. Um, that, like, so the girl's taken, Joe's shot uh, in the face somehow, and I, I still can't tell. Does he pull a tooth out? Yes. I So yeah. I needed to tell you that this was the longest friggin' scene I felt like because I covered my eyes and I like counted to five Mississippis and then I took I took it away and it was still he was still working on that tooth and then I covered my eyes again and it just seemed to take forever because I uncovered my eyes three times waiting for that scene to be over because I can't handle teeth and I don't understand did he like shoot himself in the face and it hit his tooth what happened he didn't shoot himself in the face but I think while they struggled yeah um but yeah I have the same question like did the bullet like knocked the tooth out where did the bullet go like yeah i have so many questions um and and then he's like it while it makes sense the way he has to talk the rest of the movie is really annoying to me because he's got that big you know wound on his mouth so he's talking like edward norton at the end of fight club kind of thing <laughs> um mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh man this is really hard to listen to which he doesn't talk much anyways but then it is really sad when the mom is killed um for sure and like there's a really awesome shot where like he puts the glasses on the the dresser or the nightstand or whatever and like you see the where the bullet went through and like it's just it's he cuz he took her glasses off earlier when he first gets home she's sleeping in the chair and he takes her glasses off and sets them down so like it's him doing it again like putting her to rest the final time kind of thing and so it's really sad and again I really actually the dynamic of the of him and her is the my favorite part of the movie uh, um like the scenes where it's the mom and him i'm like really compelled and uh there's a story there that i'm really intrigued by and then um the past that's only hinted at which again i don't need it to be spelled out for me to enjoy a movie i there's tons of movies that are ambiguous that i really latch onto. this one i'm not i don't know it feels like she's trying to be ambiguous and it's like no yeah. you're just showing us random flashes and I, I don't know, maybe, I, I like Taxi Driver. I don't, like, I don't like it, like, some people where I'm not like, oh, yeah, he's awesome. But I am, like, it's a really compelling film. There's a lot of things that it's thought-provoking. You can, uh, there's a really cool debate about the ending of, of Taxi Driver, which I won't say here because we're not talking about Taxi Driver. Um, and then um, I mentioned Leon the Professional, and there's a really awesome dynamic between. Oh, well, I haven't seen that, so. Well, and I'm not going to spoil it, but. The the professional hitman who we see uh, being really uh, awesome um, ends up taking in Natalie Portman's young, like, 12-year-old self, and uh, he kind of takes her under his wing. And so there's this really cool dynamic between this adult and this kid, and so I see that here, too. Like, right, when he rescues her, she uh, latches onto him. Her dad's now dead, so she doesn't have anywhere to go, and you see this 
potential like connection happening, which is what the end implies. That they're running off together. Yeah, because she has become a hitman. Uh, as he goes to kill <laughs> the governor, <laughs> and she sliced sliced the governor's throat, and I guess killed all of his henchmen. I don't I don't know for sure, but apparently, like everybody else is in the house is dead, um, except for her, and she's eating. And I feel like you could see that he was sad about it. I don't know. It was like his catharsis was taken. I also think he he might think the little girl's dead. Um, like when he gets there, like I don't think he's thinking when he finds the dead governor. I don't think he is thinking that she did it. I think he's thinking someone else did it and took her. But like, when he gets to the table and finds, or gets you know to the dining room or whatever, and figures it out, I just felt like I don't know. Like there's so many things that she can't come back from, and now there's this too. Yeah, and he's been traumatized, right? From from the same age as her or younger. So mm-hmm. yeah, he he knows that she screwed up, and there's a kindred spirit there, I guess, and that's awful in a lot of ways. Um, she's got she's eating food with like bloody hands, and it's really gross. Um, especially because she picks up that potato with her fingers, and um. Then we see them at, Oh, I think the scene I hate the most in this movie, um, there's a few dream type sequences in this film. So it's, it's not fair for me to say it's a cop out scene, but the scene where he shoots himself in the diner is too much because it it's, it is a cop out scene because like, it's like if you watch a movie and then the character wakes up and it was all a dream, it pisses you off. And that kind of pisses me off because it's like such a traumatic scene. And then obviously immediately we know it's not real because nobody reacts to him shooting himself. Um, uh-huh. And I think there just is a ticket. <laughs> and there is symbolism to that, that here he is sitting with this little girl. And nobody's questioning anything. No one's looking at, um, you know, like they don't look related. You know what I mean? Like so. But nobody's paying attention to them. And so he shoots himself, and nobody pays attention to him. Like, they're in pain. They're clearly in need of help, and no one's stepping up. There might be something there, but at the same time, it's just like, that's a really graphic, shocking scene, only to have it be not real. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, um. I want to say, too, because when and this is backing up a little bit, but when he first goes in to rescue her, it's, like, super fucking disturbing that they have, like, this really, like, simple child, like, I don't even know how to describe the music that's playing, but it made the situation even more uncomfortable. Which she wants. I think that's definitely what she's going for. Because it's not even just in that place where she's saved, it's also at the governor's mansion Ooh, in the bedroom that? that he has made up yeah, for it, which oh, is so also disgusting but like when he gets her in the car and she's just not like reacting and she's probably in shock but he like pulls her arms out to see if they've injected her with anything mm-hmm. like yeah because she's so like stoic and and not not responsive at first mm-hmm. i don't I just and, felt like that needed to mention too yeah and now the last thing because i said there are other dream sequences um, when his mom's killed, he takes her to the lake and puts her body in the water. And then we get this um, shape of water type water sequence where he's just floating. Now, the first time I saw it, I didn't realize 
that the rocks he gathered were for him to be dragged to the bottom. And I didn't catch that until this time when he opens his eyes and sees the little girl who's not actually there, but that's his, like, she's what saves him. She's the motivation. He's not going to take himself out if she's still alive. He's going to save her. And he empties his pockets and then swims to the, the surface. Um, and then that's when we get the, like, he's going to go get these bad guys. But that scene is really cool to a degree. Like, it's visually interesting or whatever, but it's, again, it's this kind of surreal moment that I it it kind of fits with the atmosphere of the film. But at the same time, it just feels like there's so many little, like, this will be cool type moments you know like there's no reason for these to be all together in this movie but this will be cool you know and and like you mentioned earlier like it it doesn't feel completely cohesive there's just these things and that's one of the things that i think irks me is like just because it would make sense in some movies it doesn't mean you can just cram it in here like the security footage i think if you're gonna go that route commit to it for that whole sequence until he's out of that building we only see security cameras and that's not what happens. As soon as he gets to her, we're back with the normal style of film. And then, it, again, when we go to the governor's mansion, you know he's got security cameras. So why don't we use that same style again? And we don't. And, like, it's like, well, then why did we even do it? Why is there found footage? It's it's not because of another character. It's not because of, like, a security thing. I mean, even if it ended when he walked up to the monitor... And, like, turned it off and then took out the video or the recording or smashed the recording devices so there's no evidence. I would at least understand why he why we saw security camera footage. I don't think it makes any sense in the context of the film or story. Um, and, again, doesn't necessarily have to, but that's why it bugs me so much. I think that that's a good point, that it's just a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to say experiments, <laughs> but... And filler, maybe? Maybe I, maybe it's going for avant-garde. I don't feel like it is, because I think the story itself is kind of bland and mundane, and David Bax, I'm going to give full credit for, uh, said that there are dozens of movies, many of them starring Nick Cage, that are just like this. And, mm. like, as far as the the plot goes, you know, like, guy who's out for revenge, blah, 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 and, um, you know, kids being taken, and then he goes... I mean, Taken is about that, and yet... Taken handles the sex trafficking thing so much more seriously. And it's a real, like, oh my god type of revelation. Where here it's like, oh my god, yes, but it's really just to get to this conspiracy theory that is barely touched on. And and have, you know, I don't know, the movie feels, it's an hour and a half, and it feels like very three distinctive acts, which is not a bad thing, but... I don't know. It just it it doesn't feel like anything really happens um, that I think is worthy of of sitting through. I mean, I've sat through this twice now, and I really don't want to watch it again. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. Um, I'm ready to give my rating. If there's nothing else uh, you want to get into, I still love you, Joaquin. <laughs> Me too. And I am looking forward to the Joker next year, even though I'm apprehensive about a movie about the Joker without Batman. But um. I say uh, You Were Never Really Here is not a total waste of time. There is some good here. I can see if you just like experimental style like filmmaking or something, which, again, I, I hesitate to call any of this experimental, but um, I do think the, the 
them being meshed together in the way that they are, it feels experimental. Um, so I say not a total waste of time. I'm gonna go with the same thing. And I can't. Oh, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Go ahead. I'm sorry that you had to watch it twice within like a month, <laughs> but I I didn't hate it. I just and thank God it was only an hour and a half, and I think that it was right on an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, it was really close. If it if if it wasn't, it was like one thirty. Like maybe a few seconds, but I don't know. Oh, one hour and twenty nine minutes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, that's it for the, you were never really here, folks. We will be back in one week with our next movie, which we're doing a, a documentary that I've been I've I think I've now had almost completely spoiled, but nonetheless, I still want to watch. Um, it's called Three Identical Strangers. Uh, it is not currently streaming on any of the, the major free uh, subscription platforms. Free is wrong. Subscription platforms. But you can rent it on iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, or wh- wherever you rent your digital movies or buy it. Um, we are going to be watching it uh, through one of those services ourselves. It's one that I really wanted to see. And again, I feel like if I don't watch it now, I'm not. it's going to be pointless because I keep hearing more information about it. And it's driving me crazy. Do you know anything about Three Identical Strangers, Corey? I've only seen the uh, trailer. Okay, so I'm, I'm hoping you have less information going in than I do. Um, I've had a few people who just jumped into things with me. I'm not telling you what it is. Um, no, no, oh, not you. I said, it. why aren't people quiet? Like, Yeah, <sighs> I mean, it's one of those things. It has been out for like six months. Um, although but I think still, it's like, yeah. I wouldn't go into even an old... I don't just like go around spoiling movies for people. Yeah, and I don't know, but nonetheless. Um, and, and Only one of them was a, a personal conversation. Some have been on podcasts where... Uh, it wasn't a review podcast. I think all of it's been on Douglas movies for the most part, where like guests on the show will just say something that they don't think is a spoiler, but it's definitely a spoiler. Um, and I'm like, crap, there's another thing. And like, I don't know they're going to say that until they've said it. So it's just like, well, great. Um, but I am, uh, I'm excited about watching that one. We have uh, two more movies after this one that we didn't see in theaters that we're looking forward to in 20. 20- uh, we're looking forward to seeing before the end of 2018, um, partly because on top five movies in January, we'll do our favorite films from 2018. So we need to Always see my favorite episode as many. I love looking back, um, although I kind of got after the first year we did it, I've been kind of keeping a track of my favorite movies throughout the year, although it still changes before the top five list um, as I rethink things and rewatch things right before. But um, I, this year has been really great. I've seen, I think. Um, over 150 movies from 2018 alone. Um, so I have a lot to pull from because I went to three film festivals this year um, on yeah. top of just going to the movies frequently. Uh, so I, I did see a lot of 2018 movies. Uh, still not as many as some critics, but, you know, I've, I did what I could. I did what I could. Um, we'll be back next week, but until then, if you want to share your thoughts on Three Identical Strangers without spoiling anything for us, um, you can reach out to us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And uh, we want to make sure that you're checking out BurkeReviews.com. Um, we have that other podcast I mentioned, uh, Top 5 Movies, as well as Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And our friend over at What I Watch Tonight, Matt, um, puts out some great content, so check him out. Uh, you'll hear his ad immediately after the last statement, which is, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on in your life, always remember to keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely 
If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movieverse. There's something for everyone, so come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com